Hello beautiful and welcome to Finding Fertility. I'm your host Monica Cox from FindingFertility.co and I created this podcast to help get you to start thinking outside of the box and realize that your infertility might have nothing to do with your lady bits. Rooted in functional medicine and personal experience, Finding Fertility is all about looking at the whole body and finding the root cause of your infertility. Finding Fertility does not diagnose, prescribe, or treat any issues of infertility. But what we do is take a holistic approach and improve your diet and your lifestyle to get you steps closer to creating your dream family. Just by being here with me, listening to this podcast, you're already going down the right path to making your dreams come true. Let's do this together. Happy Friday, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Fertility. I'm your host, Monica Cox, and I am super grateful that you are spending time here with me on your journey to becoming the conscious mama you were born to be. Today, we have another amazing podcast discovery call. I'm super excited for this one once again. And remember, if you would like your own personal podcast discovery call. If I can spit it out, uh, the link is in the bio to book whenever you want or make sure you're on the email list um, when the email comes time to call out for free ones, the podcast ones, like the ones you're hearing right now. So without further ado, let's get to today's episode. You tell us a little bit about your trying to conceive journey so far. Okay, so I got married in 2009. Okay. Um, and I never have used any contraceptives. So before I got married, just a, a backstory is that my period was always extremely heavy, as in I would also exceed like eight days. Sometimes they would go to like months of bleeding. Um, so my mom at that time had uh, ALS. So she passed away from ALS. So you know, it was like a stressful time in our family. So even when my mom would tell my dad to take me to the gynecologist, they they would just put me on birth control pills and then, you know, just send me back home. And those made things worse for me. Um, yeah. I would bleed like to like no ending. And then um, I got married. Things got slightly better. Um, I don't know how they just did. <laughs> um, but and then I started seeing a fertility clinic after a year that I, got, that I got married, after trying. And then I got a little scared from the fertility clinic. Um, they would just be like, oh, you're young. We don't know why you're not getting pregnant. Everything seems to be fine um, and all that stuff. And even in this time, I would not be like there would be days that I would be bleeding too much. And um, no extra tests were done. Like endometriosis wasn't wasn't discovered at this time. So um, I kept trying. And then I, you know, I was always scared of taking Clomid this early. I wanted to explore all of my other options, like natural options that anybody would tell me. I was, I think, 22 at this time. So uh, I think five years later, so I, five years into my marriage, basically, we started IUIs. Um, I got pregnant with my second IUI and then I miscarried at three months. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it's fine. Um, and then um, I did another IUI and that was not uh, successful. 
And then we went for an IVF after, like, I wanted to give my body a break after so many IUIs. So I want, I, I think after a year, we went in for an IVF. Um, this was, I think, about seven years ago. Okay. I went in for an IVF. After doing the whole protocol, they said that my eggs were, the doctor, I, I can obviously can't forget this, right? The doctor just says that your eggs were no good. Okay. That's all he said. At that time, I was, I was like beyond terror, like beyond like sad and depressed and everything. But, you know, you lift yourself back up. Um, and then we did a few IUIs after that because we were trying to collect money for another IVF. Um, so then I found like, I feel like uh, early COVID or ni- 2019 I heard about keto and some, some people got, um, some people got pregnant with keto. So then I started keto for a year, uh, not a year, maybe like nine and a half months ish. Nothing really obviously worked. And then I went in for a couple, uh, IUIs, whatever I could do. So I got basically, uh, sorry, I don't know. Um, I basically got, um, I think. Two more IUIs after that, after an I, after the IVF, and um, at this point, um, so uh, going into my IVF, the doctor all of a sudden by uh, before they used to say that oh you know you're you're young you're good, all of a sudden the doctor started saying your AMH is very low, okay, um, and you don't have time and and all that stuff. So that's I feel like you know the day I went there that was the day I started my period so they rushed me into an IVF and I feel like I could have prepped my body a little bit better maybe for it. But you know there's ifs and buts and we can't just discuss that. So um uh so after keto I found Amy Raup, I found you, I found um a few other people and I started getting acupuncture done and uh, castor oil packs and all that stuff. Um, I wasn't 100% dedicated to the diet, but I was following what you were saying, what Amy Rapp was saying, trying my best. I learned from you that a, a, a grater is like your best friend for morning vegetables. And, and seriously, that's what I use now. That is my best friend. Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, now I am committed to the diet. I am doing a little, uh, uh the elimination diet right now, um, I'm still in phase one, but I have been doing like dairy free, gluten free, and as much as sugar as well. But now I'm like strict about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot to go through. I know. So <laughs> do you mind me asking your age now? I am 36. 36. Okay. So yeah. that's why they're now screaming down the house you know you get over a certain age and their mindset is completely different no everything. but their mindset was different like I feel like even when I was like 29 30 uh yeah. saying that my AMH is getting low but what I didn't understand was that if I start off uh, I don't know maybe I took too many medic I did do a lot of medications a lot of like I did give my myself a ton of injections but um, I feel like, you know, uh, we can, in, we can heal ourselves hopefully through yeah. food and yeah, I mean, that's probably what was going on, um, during the time of your medical treatments. If you weren't committed to any diet or lifestyle changes, whatever was there before was just 
increasingly, you know, getting worse, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And then what happens with all the medical treatment, not only physically, but mentally and emotionally, because things aren't working, it just contributes to the inflammation, the oxidative stress. So it never surprises me when doctors like, oh, your numbers are lower now. Well, yeah, you've had more time for inflammation and oxidative stress, plus all this fertility stuff going on, it's going to just cause more issues, right? Yeah. Um, have you ever been tested for high estrogen with these heavy periods? Um, oh, I forgot the endometriosis part. Sorry. Okay. So, so you were diagnosed with endo. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, uh, before my IVF, uh, when my periods were not stopping, I was bleeding constantly. Mm-hmm. That's when I kept going in. I, and I knew that they, I had to be like my own advocate. So I kept going in that mm-hmm. I have been bleeding a lot. And then they would be like, no, that's not your period because your lining is not shedding. And I used to be like, I'm I'm bleeding a lot. So that's when they decided to go in and do a, uh, when the, the surgery that kind of like checks on the inside. So he yeah. went inside and he checked and he found some endo, endo on the on the ovaries a little bit and a little bit around the and then obviously I think they burn it off. And and yeah. OK. Um. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to take a little bit of a step back because I truly believe that no one is really born infertile unless they are born without a uterus or ovaries or fallopian tubes. Um, How old were you when your mom passed away with ALS? She passed away when I was 18. 18. So would you say for most of your life she was sick? No. She was sick for the last, she was sick for five years before she died. Five so. years. Okay. Yeah. So from 13 years old. Yeah, 13, 14 onwards-ish. Okay. She got diagnosed and then it, ALS is something that progresses quickly, right? So yeah. within the four years. Okay. Um, are you the oldest daughter? I am. You are. Of yeah. how many? Of four, uh, uh, including me, four. Four. Okay. Yeah. So is it fair to say that you bore a lot of responsibility at a, a young age? A ton, a ton. Yeah. I basically Sorry. raised teenagers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have this huge emotional wave come over me. <laughs> um, I'm not the eldest daughter, so I, I cannot like relate to it, but I don't know emotionally. Um, it's a lot for a 13-year-old girl to start taking on. Um. I mean, at that time, we did have my grandma around, but after my mom passed away, uh, after 18, it was all me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My my youngest brother was 10, mm-hmm. so he was very young. Yeah. And just by the way um, you have spoken about your journey, I can see that you're very much, um, um, okay, we got to get on with it, right? This is yeah. what happened, and we're going which I think a lot of us women um, who have um, had a lot of responsibility on us from a young age move through life. Um, What I would say um, is that it stores in our body. Yeah. A lot of that mental and emotional Mm -hmm. stress that we have gone on. Do you feel like you've been able to take time to nurture yourself I, I feel, for I feel so 
I feel like um, I have, I'm very spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very religious. So I do have that connection with God. But at the same time, I've been looking into therapy now. Yeah. So maybe because I think everybody right now needs therapy anyway. So <laughs> I feel like um, uh, I would benefit from that. So I have been looking into somebody who I can speak to that's here because I want it to be face to face rather than face to face. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. Um, I think that um, spirituality, you know, whether it's religious or non-religious um, is a very, very amazing tool to use. Um, yeah. because at the end of the day, we're all connecting with a higher self, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's great that you have that. Um, the therapy on, let's say the physical world is incredibly important because we are physical beings on a physical planet. Yeah. We yeah. have to shift that, um, that emotions out of our body. You know, if you really think of the basics of what emotion is, when you get angry, you feel angry. When yeah. you get excited, you feel excited. Yeah. You feel yeah. these things through you. So every emotion that you've had is is a turns into a physical reaction. Now, what happens with trauma? Because uh, all of our cultures, I think, have had have done a very poor job of allowing us to express these outwards. Right? It's very mm-hmm. much, you know, hush hush. Yeah. Keep quiet. Keep going. You know do you know what I dealt with? It's like, yes, I do. I feel what yeah. you dealt with. And now I'm dealing yeah. with you and me, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um, so modalities of therapy that I have seen really help people break through these things. Talk therapy can be great in a sense, okay. but modalities that help you really shift energetically and actually change the visualization of the experience into a more positive one. has a better benefit for your subconscious than just I mean talking it out is great don't get me wrong but the whole core thing is is that we actually want to change it subconsciously Mm -hmm. um so techniques like emotion freedom tapping is a really good technique to do I highly recommend that to most people okay well I'll give you an email too with with links and stuff um for all this um so emotional freedom tapping is one of the better ones to do obviously you have neurofeedback you have um hypnosis um i do a modality of psych k which is really good for subconscious work mm-hmm. um so that would be a recommendation and i'm really glad that you are open to doing that because yeah. part of being a health coach is really getting people to see where they need to highly focus on and if you're kind of already there of like okay I've got a lot of baggage and I'm open to releasing it which can is the scariest part right like no one wants to go back and deal with any of that stuff yeah um but I would say that um most of our childhoods contribute to the fertility issues that we're having now because they've just, you know, have physically manifested either into our guts, into mm-hmm. our endocrine system, especially, you know, the top of it, which is your penile, your hypothalamus, your pituitary thyroid is a big mm-hmm. thing for women. Um, so I'm seeing in my practice that 
I can get you all the physical things you need to do, right? Yeah. We've got to get on the right diet for you. We've got to do um, modalities that help with the stress reduction, get rid of the chemicals, all those things. But the fastest healing that I've seen is when people really get to that core subconscious um, piece. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know in your own journey, if you can relate and look back, and I know I struggled with this, is like, why couldn't I commit to the diet? Why couldn't I commit to maybe not drinking so much alcohol or soda mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever the vice is, right? Yeah. That we know is contributing to the issue. Yeah. And basically it comes to the self-love, the self-worth and honoring our bodies because yeah. our bodies are a temple of God right? We are a temple and the way that we can show ourselves love is by keeping our body uh, physically to um, a certain standard of physical health. And for a long time, we've taken this for granted because we haven't grown up in these Western societies with a lot of chemicals, a Mm -hmm. lot of, you know, the whole combination of chemicals, poor food, stress, because stress has always been there for mankind, right? (laughs) I don't think, you know, people say don't stress. It's not something that's going to happen. This life is stress. It is. Yeah. yeah. And you just have to find modalities to deal with that. So, you know, maybe the old you would have taken a stressful situation and used and really just over consumed for 24, 48 hours about the situation kept thinking in your mind and like the worst possible situation and having those arguments again and stuff where when you start putting in the work and the practice, you can sit there for an hour and just be like, well, that was shit. And like, okay, (laughs) how am I going to get over it? Okay. How am I going to move through it? And some situations like grief and sadness do need to take a little bit more time. I'm not saying just pick yourself up and move on with things, but say you have like, an argument with someone at work or maybe your yeah. husband do you really need to sit there and be in <laughs> anger over yeah. that for 48 hours no yeah. because all it's doing is messing up your system even more right you're only yeah. hurting yourself really yeah. and I think that's kind of the hard pill to swallow is. is most of this stuff it's our choices <laughs> yeah and um, I'm not saying we choose infertility, but our choices do contribute to what we're physically dealing with. And yeah, you know, most of our realities are okay. We have control. We really got to tap into these things. Um, so with your diet, do you feel that it's um, really benefiting you? Like you see kind of um either normal and common health issues going away or how are you feeling about it right now um to be very honest I don't see a difference <laughs> I'm not, but you know the foods that I see um that kind of make me gassy or something I just I just omit them I don't eat them then okay. um but but at the same time you know I stuck with what you said just find recipes that you like and then just stick to them you don't even need to like for now I don't I don't think I need to branch out until I'm like sick of them you know okay Uh, yeah so I'm just sticking with the stuff that is working with me I still don't like I I don't feel like my bowel movements are perfect where they need to be that is my that that would be my sign maybe that things are working but one thing did happen um so um 
every time I go on the diet, we end up going traveling for like a month and a half back home. And back home, you can't tell people that you can't eat this and you can't eat that. It doesn't work like that, okay? Even if you try, they're going to like, just, it's not going to work. So yeah. um, last year, this is what happened. And I had to like, kind of like, kind of eat here and there things that I didn't want to eat. Even when I went back to Pakistan, we go every year, basically. Yeah. Um, so this year, uh, we went for Hajj. Um, it's it's a pilgrimage it's uh, mm -hmm. where you go to Mecca right so in order for me to make sure that I was praying over there because I'm spending a lot of money I want to make sure I pray over there I took the birth control pill okay to make sure I don't get my period because when you get your period you're off praying you get a vacation you know um, that's the situation so I took my birth control pill I got my period and then I didn't get my period for three weeks I mean three months oh dear and this was not normal for me okay yeah. I, I normally get my period now the situation is I get my period, but I get so much spotting before or after that I sometimes don't know if this is my real. It's not like spotting. It's like a light bleeding that I don't know if this is my period starting. So that's why, you know, when sometimes now the fertility clinic asks me to come in on day three, mm -hmm. I'm not sure of what my day three is now. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so I was I was spotting for a, a few days this month and then. I got my period. So I think the diet is what made it come along because for three months I was going crazy as to why I even, and I know I don't ovulate. And if I ovulate, it's late. Okay. Like day 25, day 28 sometimes. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think the diet did help come. And then obviously the castor oil packs and all these things yeah. that I've been doing, um, they are helping. But I feel like my period has shifted so much from what it used to be that Obviously, I think as you age, it happens. And with the, the amount of medication that I've taken, maybe that have taken a toll. But now yeah. the period is not as heavy. I never have pain, by the way, because of endometriosis. I've never had it. You know how people say that that's a sign yeah. that you have PM. Yeah. I've never had pain. In the beginning, maybe I used to have, like when I was a teen. But now I there's no pain. <clears throat> I, I bleed like a medium to high amount, but not like a lot, a yeah. lot. Yeah, because I'm used to like Niagara Falls, you know. Yeah, yeah. When you're used to that, then yeah. nothing is like compared to that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. The food when when you go back to Pakistan is um is it like gluten that that you're yes, faced they with? They eat a lot of yeah. They eat a lot of roti, and roti is made with yeah. Gluten. yeah. But you... dairy, I normally don't eat. I normally yeah. don't drink dairy. Would you say that it's like a, a a clean form of gluten though? Because 100%. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So yeah. Do you feel a difference when you eat that gluten over there? Do you like, because there's, there's different realms of gluten sensitivities, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of people's gluten sensitivities are linked to a, a crap gluten or other crap the that's in that food. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I kind of say like when you go back to these countries that aren't using the shit that North America yeah. uses, that don't beat yourself up over that, right? Unless you're celiac and like really have yeah. a crazy gluten I sensitivity. Feel like coming back and getting back on the bandwagon is the hardest thing though. Yeah. You just been eating all these foods and get just, I think that is my main thing is that coming back and getting back on. But you know what? <laughs> we're not going this year, so I'm good. I'm going to be on this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, good. just have that awareness that they're not the same, right? Yeah. yeah. And 
really what you want to be watching out for is how your body reacts to that certain gluten. So like I cannot eat white Wonder Bread, right? That that will mess me up where I can eat a nice clean sourdough bread, not loads and loads of it. But like if I have, you know, a sandwich, it's not going to mess me up. So mm. it's really looking at food like that. Um, I feel like gluten doesn't mess me up. Okay. What do you I think does? Dairy, definitely. Dairy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't digest nuts well. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, Like I had, I tried chia seeds yesterday. I don't think I digested them well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there are things that I notice a difference right away. Um, especially like cooked dairy. Like, you know, when you cook dairy a lot, I feel like I cannot absolutely not. Okay. I, I don't drink dairy anyways. Like I don't drink tea. I don't drink coffee. I don't I don't drink any of that stuff. I don't drink milk. Like on it. This is not my regular stuff to eat anyways. So leaving dairy, like cheese I would have like every now and then on a pasta or something. It's not like something that's in my routine. But I don't think I, um, I don't think gluten affects me. I've left it for more of the the crap that's being yeah that's in it in it right now. Absolutely. Um. Okay. So yeah, it's really. I mean, for you, it would be interesting to do a food sensitivity test with, um, just so you have that confidence and that knowledge. It's I don't know. I think if if you kind of feel like you're struggling, that could be a route for you. Or just stick with what you know. Um, have you played around with, I mean, you probably have, I mean, it's not silent endo because you were getting symptoms of it, but obviously the it's great that you weren't getting the pain with it. Yeah. But usually a silent endo is an autoimmune issue. Um, have you done a gut health test? Have you worked with anyone to kind of see? No, not no. yet. No, okay. but I'm thinking of going through a naturopath. I actually found a couple through... Um, some people that I actually trust. Um, so I was thinking of going there and I do know that they were, I was looking into all this stuff yeah. of getting a good, good health done and stuff. Yeah. I mean, just be careful with natural pass. I've, I, I would say most of my clients that have used them, make sure they have a functional medicine background because okay. a lot of my clients that come to me who have seen natural pass and run gut health tests actually in Canada as well, they're not actually addressing the root cause of the guy they're like oh here's I don't know whatever you know so (laughs) there's different types of natural paths and acupuncture like there's all different types yeah what you know I would do is you run the gut health test and then you maximize um the gut by doing very targeted supplementation um so just be careful with that <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Mean, so that's why I said uh trusted do you, do you know Mary Wong no uh-uh. okay so she is um she is uh an acupuncturist over here that's also a herbalist as well I think yeah and she has like this whole they they deal with basically fertility and all this stuff so I have found what they are saying uh, more suitable than going to a normal acupuncturist who I can't even communicate in, in yeah. English with I, I don't feel comfortable doing that. So yeah. Yeah. You got to like connect with someone that gets it. And what I always say to people when they're using acupuncture, herbs and all that, you have to be lowering the inflammation for any of that to work. Yeah. Right. Because where Eastern medicine came from is an amazing place. But when it was discovered, invented, whatever, 
Um, yeah. It was not dealing with Western problems. Mm-hmm. And that's why people who have kind of deep rooted, more deeper rooted issues don't see it work. They don't yeah. get success because they're actually not tackling the root cause. And that mm-hmm. supportiveness just isn't enough to reverse that. So okay. just be really careful with that. Okay. Um, it's definitely an amazing supportive thing. But um, let's just say that you have leaky gut, right? Yeah. It's not going to work. I'll tell you right now, no matter mm-hmm. how many herbs they throw at you, needles they put yeah. into you, yeah. like you've got to heal that first and then use the supportive um, thing. So yeah, the um, yeah, just make sure you do that because okay. <laughs> people spend a lot of money there and then they come to yeah. me and I'm like, yeah. oh, this is what uh- we need to do. <laughs> I mean, I just have a client in Canada right now who we helped her husband actually sort out his gut health stuff because he was with a naturopath. They did a great test on him, yeah, but they they were just missing the mark of healing the leaky gut. So mm-hmm. um, I always advise people when they see certain people like that make sure they have a functional background and they okay. know what they're doing okay um so yeah that would definitely be um a step for you is definitely look into getting a gut test okay. so you're not guessing because okay. i think right now what you've been doing along the way is kind of just guessing at what you need to do and okay. you know not seeing the results that you want from your diet is a big sign and I'm not just saying pregnancy like there would be other things that you're looking at is a sign that that's not the right diet for you there's something else missing in it and um you know depending on your commitment level your finance you know all these different things you can either go a little bit deeper Mm -hmm. and see if the autoimmune paleo diet you know gives you improvements because you will see them you should see them dramatically improve within three to four weeks it's not a long process the longer process is um when you're like okay i'm gonna eliminate this and then i'm gonna eliminate that and then i'm gonna do this where the autoimmune is so strict anyways it gets rid of so much and then what you can do is start adding in okay so let's just say you are highly intoxicated tolerant to like nightshades okay um you will know quickly once you reintroduce like some paprika or tomato or potato whether or not that suits you okay um so it really just depends on where you are if you get a food sensitivity test then it's much better to um you'll know right okay (laughs) yeah. <laughs> instead of like having it'll to, be easier to yeah okay yeah play around with things like that um when you do get a food sensitivity test just make it sure it's high quality one that it's not um just an igg test because okay. that basically is just testing what your blood's doing right now so okay. a lot of people are like oh i'm really highly intolerant to all the things i'm eating i'm like well yeah because <laughs> your blood's <laughs> elevated so yeah. um we just want to make sure um, on that end, um, what kind of modalities are you using for uh, mental and emotional health right now? Um, other than maybe prayer and you know um, seeking out counseling, yeah. do you have um, things that you do like walking, yoga? Yeah. I feel like going on walks is like the best for me. Just 
you know, the other day I had to walk in the gym because it was getting really cold outside. And I was like, it's just not doing it for me. Then I just came back right outside. Just, you know, walking outside for me, is just something that just shifts my mind and gets me thinking about, you know, there's more purpose to just, that's my opinion. There's more purpose to just getting pregnant or becoming a mom. We are here for so many other reasons yeah. that we need to also put our focus on. So yeah. yeah, walking is for me, like amazing. Great, great. Okay. Yeah, just having those things. Um, I wanted to touch back if it's okay, it just popped up into my head. So it, it must be important. Um, your loss, your little baby at three months. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that you have emotionally supported yourself through that? I think so. I think that wasn't my weakest point, though. My weakest point was um, a year after my IVF, everybody around me was pregnant. And I remember that time, my sister-in-laws, my sister, um, that was my weakest time in my life. I feel like I would cry in a second. I would cry all the time. Mm -hmm. I would cry alone. I would cry in front of people. I would just cry all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just feel like after that, I started like, shifting my thinking and you know just and I I don't know what happened after that but I got so much better but yeah yeah I think that that those three months they were hard but I I just I was thankful that it even happened yeah you know that my body can even do that yeah right I was Mm -hmm. very thankful about that so I, I feel like that that was fine okay it was it was a ray of hope rather than uh a negative thing for me yeah Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I totally relate to that. Um, You know, for a long time when you think your body can't get pregnant and then it does. Um, All I know from my experience and from the, from speaking to a lot of women is that they always say it's fine, Yeah, you know, and they always come back with that. And I know that um, society doesn't do the best of giving space for loss. For sure. Yeah. And um, so I think a lot of the time we once again hold on to it and it's fine and you know, <laughs> we move through life. Yeah. And um, I know it's something that I still I still need to go back and explore. And um, even though, yes, 100 percent, you know, finding the silver lining in those those moments, it's kind of honoring that, you know, there was life. Yes, I I absolutely you know, love that fact. Yeah, yeah, there was life. It was, um, you know, um, it's always very bittersweet because I know when you have your babies, you're gonna look at them and understand. Mm-hmm. You know, I have two rainbow babies. Both of my boys were born after miscarriages, and I understand why I had to lose the first to have the second one. You know, oh, yeah. Um, but it's easier to express that when you've reach the end of your journey um but I really want to just like tap home that um always be curious and open when you're going through the mental and emotional process you're going to start seeing its onions and usually when you get really scared or afraid or you're like nah I don't need to do that that's where you need to go because your protective 
um, mm-hmm. I don't know, ego, Layer. whatever you want to call it, yeah. is always going to try to keep you safe. So that kind of change, even though it's for the greater good, is still mm-hmm. super scary. So just really tap into those areas of where you might feel like, no, it's fine. <laughs> I get it. And and work through those. Um, because I think that's um, just part of the healing process physically, right? Um, but I think you have such a beautiful outlook. And that is a big step because I get a lot of women come to me who say, I just don't believe it's going to happen you know, or, or they feel broken or, you know, they feel the shame. And- I also do feel broken, but oh. I also feel, like, it's not like, I mean, you can't just shed it all off, right? Mm-hmm. I, I do sometimes, like, I'm, sometimes I'm just, like, done, but then there are other times, um, especially when I'm connected or, like, when I'm reading inspiration and when I feel like there's a bigger purpose than just getting pregnant and having babies, there's so much more that I can do with my body. That's so able seeing my mom in ALS and how slowly every ability was taken away from her. That for me was a huge eye opener that we can breathe. We can scratch wherever we want. You know, she, she couldn't um, change sides when she was in bed. So that for me gave a different outlook in life and that's where I kind of come from but I totally understand what you're saying that we need to revisit those times to see what's actually inside Mm -hmm. yeah I get yeah I mean it's great to have this positive outlook and it is really going to keep us going to where we want to go but what I would say is when you are physically not sticking to things or maybe you feel physically your body isn't working the way you want it to Mm -hmm. do it's really to turn inwards and go okay what can I release what can I let go how can I improve this um because I think a lot of people just really focus on those tangible objects the diet the supplementation the reflexology the IVF the IUIs control 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 you know like as you're planning all these things right yeah where I I now see that those are all important don't get me wrong yeah Um, but if we turn around and we start getting real and honest with ourselves, um, most of us have had just really hard journeys to walk through for sure society doesn't support a fertility journey you know like you get more time off of covid than you do a (laughs) miscarriage right like our society's not set up to support us that way so we really need to do the the work and make sure that you know we're giving ourselves that comfort because i mean most people dealing with fertility issues have are strong yeah. You know, women, right? Yeah. I think you have to be. You have <laughs> because to be. The Is there any other you. choice? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. So it's really softening those edges and knowing that we don't have to do it all. We don't have to, you know, um, it's not our job to, you know, carry everyone and everything around us mm-hmm. and that we can have moments of, um, I, I want to call them softness, not weakness, right? But I know yeah. that we look at them as weakness, mm-hmm. um, but they're not weak. That's just all part of it. Um, So yeah, I think that's a really big, going to be big for you. Yeah. How, um, how, how do you think I should go about that though? 
<laughs> um okay from that perspective how would you go about to be honest I truly believe um that it's being curious and starting to explore different modalities that will open those things up for you you know some mm-hmm. Some you're going to do once or twice and be like, nah, that does not work for me. And you, and that's just part of the process. Um, but what I've seen is really, it's just when people get tired of their own BS, right? And mm-hmm. they just get really honest with themselves that the way they've been doing things for the past five, six, seven, eight years, they're not working. Yeah. Not yeah. working. Yeah. And so it's being and then the next step is being brave you know because you know you know not just your culture I think everyone's culture but just what you said about going home and you know your friends family just don't get it Mm. right everyone experiences that I mean people thought I was insane when I stopped eating tomatoes and paprika they're like, you can't be intolerant to that. I'm like, well, I fucking am. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what to say to you. Like, trust yeah. me, I would not make this up. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is not how I want to live my life. Um, but it's really just standing in your own truth. And I think that's one of the hardest things to do when you're, um, you know, uh, being a human is um, feeling safe within your community. And when you're doing things differently than the people around you, whether that comes down to, you know, um, uh, practicing a different way within your religion or being open to, you know, um, manifestation, you know, um, eating a different way, because I know food is such a big part of most people's cultures. For sure. Um, It's hard. It's hard. And I don't think that our aunties and our grandmothers and the people around us, they don't get it Mm. because they're not dealing with the issues that we're dealing with. You know, they didn't grow up in the Western societies. They didn't, you know, every generation's, you know, um, just take out the food bit, right? Because I think maybe in other cultures that hasn't been as big as it has been in North America, um but every generation so far in the past let's say four has slowly passed down issues that had never been passed down before for sure yeah right and let's even take just the trauma that Mm -hmm. our cultures have gone through especially women and it just got worse and worse and worse and worse and my grandmother's um no, probably her her mom, her grandma. I mean, they were silent, right? Yeah. They had to live a very silent life and just do what they were told. My grandma had nine kids within 11 years. Wow. You know, like, and it, it just got, it kept getting passed down. And then you add in the chemicals, the food, yeah. right? And then we live these stressful lives where, um, us as women um we have to do it all 
right? Yeah. It's like Vanks feminism, like, great, I've <laughs> got to take care of the household and work a full-time yeah. job and raise my kids and live in a society where I can't even let my kid go play out on the side of the street For anymore, sure. right? So, so yeah. us as women, we are dealing with so many more things, even though we should have an easier life. This is the crazy thing, right? Yeah. Modern technology has made it easier for us but what it's but it also hasn't. it hasn't because it's put more onto our plate because we don't have to yeah. spend a day washing the clothes like our ancestors yeah. used to which must have been a joyous occasion <laughs> because they must have sat there talking and singing talking, yeah. and you know doing all those things where we're doing the laundry doing the dishes you know too much multitasking that's what much. my husband always says yeah it's too much it's too much so um it's yeah to sorry that was a long-winded way to answer your question <laughs> um it's different for everyone so that's why it's hard to answer it's really where you're at in your journey as well you know when it came for me to do an autoimmune paleo diet I was six years right like I was done I was like just tell me what I need to do to make this a reality because I yeah I feel like I've failed. I mean, I had hope too, right? All those little things were leaning up to hope to to get to where I was going. But I mean, you're talking years and years of, you know, never seeing a positive pregnancy test. Yeah. Like it, it depends, you know, year one, hell no, I wouldn't have done half the stuff I do now. But year six, that was right. <laughs> so yeah. everyone's at a different stage, um, a different mindset point. But um, it's really just about being curious, keep consuming uh, books, podcasts. I mean, I find and I'm I'm trying to get my podcast a little bit away from specifically fertility, because mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is, is I'm not fixing fertility, right? It's more everything above what's yeah. happening. And yeah. sometimes when we hyper focus on that fertility, we forget that to live life, to, to be joyful, to mm -hmm. be doing the diet because it's honoring our bodies. And yeah. when we're doing all these things, fertility then clicks into place, whether or not you need medical assistance. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yes. So, um, you know, within like the course, what I've tried to do is just really put in as much information as possible. I know sometimes it's overwhelming, but everyone's got to find what is works for them. Yeah. And sometimes it's really frustrating. It's a trial and error thing, but we all come from different backgrounds, religions and all those things. So not everything's going to, you know, suit us different climates, right? I'm in Hawaii. I can get to the beach every day of the year. Right? Like if you're in yeah. Canada, you I don't want to go outside. about that. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's really just being um, open and curious and just keep moving forward and like you say you know this is bigger than the two pink lines and so when you keep your focus on that um and really bring back that joy and that love and be able to celebrate I know it sounds really weird but we all get to that dark place of like not wanting to see another pregnant person and then <laughs> when I started opening up I couldn't wait to celebrate people's pregnancies you yeah. know because it's when you're looking at it as a sign of lack like oh they got it so that means I can't have it it's like no open that up to um receive 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 yeah. right 
um, at any, you know, anyone who will let you touch their belly, touch that belly, get that love, that energy, that, you know, that sensation, because the truth of the matter is, it's all feeling. We are feelers. And so what you're feeling is what is going to project out into the world, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can really tap into those feelings of being pregnant, of being abundant, of being strong, being courageous, all those things start really feeling it before it happened. That's what magnetized to you. And then obviously it helps do all the physical stuff that we have to do as well. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So um, I was just thinking that, yes, uh, I'm now thinking that, you know, this diet definitely did bring a period along. Um, But is there anything I can do just to, other than staying on the diet and trying to eliminate and add stuff um, to make sure that I ovulate? Yeah, so um, it it really just comes back down to a healthy gut and a healthy um, endocrine system. Okay. So, um, there's lots of little things that you can do, um, like, you know, rest and recovery, Mm -hmm. um, sleeping. I mean, we didn't really tap into your sleep, but making sure you get good sleep. I get good sleep. Don't worry. (laughs) Good, good. Um, so it's really, yeah. Honing in on those two things, getting the right diet, getting your gut health up to scratch, And then when you feel like you really lowered that inflammation, depending on who you are and like what's going on on your body, then it's like targeting that supplementation that you might need to help um, with ovulation. Um, So it's hard to say like without, you know, getting to know you a little bit, but um, um, I mean, that's, that's why it's really important. I mean, yeah anyone you go to just make sure they specialize in fertility you okay. know or you know like yeah you just got to get specifically with that um and then yeah it's really about hooking up with someone who's going to listen to what's going on with you right now right mm-hmm. or and yeah. what's going gone on with your past mm-hmm. um but I got, I'll put two, um, there's two blog posts about ovulation that I have. Okay. Um, I know you, I know you said, um, you have, so your period has just come on now, right? So you don't actually really know right now if you're having regular periods. Okay. Not from the past five months for sure yeah uh, because the first one I took was uh the birth control pill that that's like that brought along that bleed yeah um and then it's been like this was a fourth month yeah and then that's when I got my period so I think right now I, I'm just everywhere <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah yeah um yeah I I do think I mean that's like the kind of testing that we offer within the formula or even the one-to-one is get you a good gut health test and MRT okay. they ship okay. to Canada okay um I mean that's what I would advise for you right now and just okay. hone in on that and then um working on connecting with some of that mental and emotional stuff and start working in on that like there's a part of the course that we talk about trauma and okay. we get you to write like your timeline 
right? And you really like dig into um, what things that you might not think were traumatic, but pop up in your brain, right? So obviously your mom's illness, or I mean, I put my timeline on there, for example, and it's, I mean, I don't even really have big events. Like you could probably read it and go like, what the hell? Like, that's not bad. But that's my journey. Yeah. And it's yeah. like a, a representation to show you guys, like, they don't have to be big events for them to add up. Yeah. Um. So tapping into that, um, I'm trying to think of what else. Um, so when you're tapping into this timeline, are you mainly focusing on how you felt at that time? Right. Am I correct? Yeah, like, was that event, like, it it obviously stands out in your mind, right? Mm -hmm. So like, just for example, when I was in middle school, I had um, four best friends, and they were all um, mixed race. I was Mm -hmm. the only little white girl in our clique. (laughs) And um, one of them... There was always tension there, if I was completely honest, and we were maybe always vying for others' attention and just jealousy and young girl stuff. Yeah. Anyway, she took a conversation that we had, completely flipped it, and basically convinced the whole school that I was a racist within 48 hours. And so I was eating in my counselor's office, you know, know, thought I was going to get beaten up by other people. But most of all, I lost I lost the people who I loved the most at that time, right? Like mm-hmm. your friends are your life. Yeah. And um, until I started doing the inner work, I didn't know how much that actually really impacted me physically, yeah. emotionally, my relationship with friends, my relationship with myself, trust, worthiness. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, it was maybe like a big event, but not like a this huge traumatic event, right? Yeah. But the reality was, for me, it was mm-hmm. very, very impactful. And I think when you're able to start looking at your life in that way and just kind of go, oh, yeah, that did really fucking suck. And mm-hmm. actually, I do take that. And I have traits of like abandonment issues or I am fear I'm going to lose someone because of this or I'm afraid to speak my truth because of this and then we get silence and that causes all sorts of issues right Mm -hmm. um so it's really looking at those things and just being honest with yourself because I I do feel a lot of my community come and they're like I'm doing everything right (laughs) like what is going on so it's really finding those little holes um and then just having people to speak to like this right um that's super important so like when you hook up with anyone to help you in this these next phases yes do they have time to have conversations like this okay right because sometimes it's really just like what your test results say or you know yeah you know what the thing is and a lot of I think it's really important to have mind share conversations and you might hear and like listening to podcasts you know that's a great way it's like Oh, wow. I love it. Right? That's what I do on my walks. Yeah. I just listen to podcasts of all of you guys. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I, if, it, it upsets you. I feel like obviously it kind of makes like a clan that you know that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And there's like so many other people that are with you on this journey. Um, Absolutely. 
Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for being yeah. there with me on my oh, walk. Oh, <laughs> my pleasure. And you know what's really, you know, I don't know what it is, but I have a lot of Canadian followers and a lot of Canadians who of your culture and your background. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think to know that, you know, because I know it feels like everyone else is not <laughs> dealing with this issue. But yeah. Unfortunately, um, a lot of people are. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, um, that would be my best best suggestion for you right now is really okay. hone in on that gut health and what you need okay. to do with your diet and then that mental and emotional stuff. And I'll send you an email with some links and resources that you can tap into. I know okay. you said you wanted to see someone in person. I don't really have a good um, emotional freedom tapper in Canada, but okay. I'm sure once you kind of know what that process is that you probably will be able to find someone. Um, my references are either in the UK um, and in California are the two people that I usually send people to. Okay. One, Can you still send that link in just in case I don't find anybody? Yeah, in the yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're just online. Um, yeah. But um, so, yeah, but I'm sure there's people around you. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully I'll find somebody great. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Thank you so much. You have, yeah. you're just so amazing. Oh. Like all the time. <laughs> and I'm, I'm so happy that I was able to talk to you and for you to be giving me this opportunity. Yeah. My pleasure. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I know a lot of women thank will you. resonate with it and um, yeah, I'm sure we'll connect in the future. Thank you. Okay. Have a beautiful right. day. Bye. You too. Thank you. Bye. If you feel called to discover what you personally need to do and are ready to have an intimate conversation, please go down to the show notes. There's a link there that you can book your own personal discovery call. Also, for your chance to book your own podcast discovery call, I do send out a email to my email subscribers every two months looking for new guests. So if you're not already on the email list, I highly suggest you sign up today. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Finding Fertility podcast. If you're loving this podcast, please leave us a rating and review and let us know how this podcast is supporting you to get steps closer to creating your dream family. I hope you have a beautiful weekend and we will see you next Friday for another episode of the Finding Fertility podcast.